0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Consumer Review Report. I'm Diane Rebecca here on WMCK.FM Internet Radio. All right, we are into another month. It is now March 1st, so spring can't be very uh, far down the road, hopefully, in about three weeks. um, We will truly have spring weather, but when does that ever happen in this area? So we can only cross our fingers and uh, hope for that <clears throat> alright so um, if you've never heard this show before we deal with consumer issues and if you have any ideas of any products or services you would like to hear on the show you can email me at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com I'm also on Facebook at consumerreviewreport and on Face- er, on Twitter at crr in McKeesport Also, if you have any product or service that you would like to rave about because um, it was so great, or it may be not so great if you want to tell us, the radio listening audience, about your experience with any product or service, you can email me at consumerreviewreport at com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. <clears throat> All right. So for this week, uh, I have a variety of things to talk about. First, um, I'll be relaying some general consumer news about email scammers and what they are up to now. I also have a CDC update on the e-cigarette EVALI crisis that was updated um, February 25th. So I'll give you that update. And uh, I'll also be talking about how Juul plans to keep their vaping products out of the hands of minors in the U.S. and how the changes were incorporated already in Canada and the U.K. as of now. So I'll be talking about that later. And also, I'll be reviewing another As Seen on TV item. And the reason why I picked this item is you know as you if you've listened to this show before you know that I am an as seen on TV junkie i do buy things just out of curiosity of whether they work or not and uh and most of the times i've been pretty happy um well this particular item has to do with sewing and i ca- i cannot sew for the life of me i try to sew a button on and i know how to thread the needle through the holes and everything, it's tying the knot. I cannot for the life of me tie a knot tight enough so that the button is not loose all over the place. And that also goes for any other type of sewing. If I have to tie a knot, I am so inept at it. So this, I think, item would actually help me. Now I don't actually have it, but I will be reviewing it um, by I think, uh, let's see. Oh yeah, TV Stuff Reviews did a review, so we'll be taking a listen at the audio of that review. And also, um, there's an article from Does It Really Work? So we'll we'll see if what they say about this particular item. Um, so that is all coming up after the recalls. As you know, we do the recalls every time just to keep you up to date on what's going on. So let's go ahead and get to the consumer products uh, portion of the recall. So let's go ahead and scroll down to Contigo. That's where we left off last. And they update this every almost every day or every week. So here we go. Contigo re-announces recalls of four 4- million kids water bottles due to choking hazard. Additional incidents with replacement lids provided in previous recall. The water bottle's clear silicone spout can detach, posing a choking hazard to children. Also, you can find any of these recalls if you're concerned you have any of these products on www.recalls.gov. I'm also posting them on my Facebook page Uh, at consumer review report. So again, you'll see pictures and they'll have links where you can click on it to see what you're supposed to do if you have any of these products. All right. Colecraft recalls inclined sleeper accessory included with cuddle and care and preferred position two-in-one bassinets and inclined sleepers to prevent risk of suffocation. Infant fatalities have been reported with other manufacturers' inclined sleep products after the infants rolled from their back to their stomach or side or under other circumstances. And we've heard these other manufacturer recalls uh, throughout the months, actually. This has been going on um, for a few months about these bassinets and how they are a risk of suffocation. Browning recalls pistol holders due to injury hazard. The holster design can change the position of the safety switch on the firearm without the use or without the user knowing it. When this occurs, if the trigger is accidentally pulled, the firearm could fire unexpectedly, posing an injury hazard to the user and bystanders. Home Depot recalls four drawer whitewash chests due to tip-over and entrapment hazards. The recalled chest is unstable if it is not anchored to the wall, posing serious tip-over and entrapment hazards that can result in death or injuries to children. The chest does not comply with the performance requirements of the U.S. Voluntary Industry Standard. Safave recalls chests of drawers due to tip over and entrapment hazards. The recalled chests are unstable if they are not anchored to the wall posing serious tip over and entrapment hazards that can result in death or injuries to children. Step 2 recalls children's grocery shopping carts due to laceration hazard. The shopping carts basket can break into sharp pieces posing a laceration hazard. Jess Blank's children's nightgowns recalled by IshTex textile products due to violation of Federal Flammability Standard. It's a burn hazard. The nightgowns fail to meet the Federal Flammability Standard for children's sleepwear, posing a risk of burn injuries to children. Lennox Industries recalls ductless heat pumps due to fire hazard. Internal electrical components can fail, allowing the units to overheat, posing a fire hazard. Waylon recalls Bayside Furnishing's nine-piece dining sets due to fall hazard. They are sold exclusively at Costco. The dining chairs can break, posing a fall hazard. All right, over to the Food and Drug Administration Recalls and Safety Alerts. Let us scroll down to Saratoga Potato Chips. All right, so I'm scrolling down, scrolling down. Actually, there's uh, eight of those today. So here we are. Saratoga Potato Chips LLC issues allergy alert on undeclared milk in Kroger Sweet and Mesquite Barbecue Potato Chips. So they are recalling 140 cases of Kroger Sweet and Mesquite barbecue potato chips because it may contain undeclared milk. Natural grocers issues recall on dark chocolate peanut clusters. So Vitamin Cottage Natural Food Markets, Inc. uh, are recalling... uh, natural grocers brand eight ounce peanut cluster dark chocolate non-gmo because the product contains undeclared almond uh, allergens alright Abbott uh, actually we're gonna skip that Abbott one that's a medical one and I don't think that's of interest to anybody so natural grocers issues a recall on dark chocolate almond clusters So the same company, Vitamin Cottage Natural Food Markets, that recalled the peanut clusters are also recalling the almond clusters. Uh, They are recalling Natural Grocer's brand 8-ounce almond cluster dark chocolate non-GMO for the same... Oh, actually, because the product contains undeclared peanut allergen. And so... Moonstruck Chocolate issues allergy alert on undeclared milk in 3.1 ounce praline, pecan, and ginger element bar in dark chocolate. Uh, Moonstruck Chocolate Company, they are recalling it because it may contain undeclared milk. And of course, people who have an allergy or severe sensitivity to milk run the risk of a serious or life-threatening allergic reaction. Uh, let's see what it, oh yeah, Medman expands voluntary nationwide recall of up to and bow and arrow due to presence <clears throat> of undeclared sildenafil. And so they say when there's a presence of the sildenafil, I think that's how you say it. <laughs> Um, that they have to recall it and actually what that is the sildenafil is a vasodilator and it can treat erectile dysfunction and also treat high blood pressure in the lungs so I guess uh, some products try to sneak that in there so that the erectile dysfunction actually is fixed but I guess they're not supposed to have that in there right So the recall has expanded to include all lots of dietary supplement bow and arrow libido enhancer for men to the consumer level. And then we have a Sierra Soups issues allergy alert on undeclared gluten in uh, pasta fagioli soup. So they're recalling 13 ounce packages of the soup because the soup uh, mix contains an individually wrapped package of pasta which contains gluten and choice products USA LLC issues an allergy alert on undeclared milk in premier choice three pound tub peanut butter cookie dough ordered through online ordering so they are recalling 275 three pound tubs of peanut butter cookie dough because it may contain undeclared milk from milk chocolate chips So of course, people who are allergic are not going to respond well if there's milk in there and it was undeclared. Okay, so again, the ranitidine tablets are still on recall. American Health Packaging issues voluntary nationwide recall of ranitidine tablets. And uh, you know what's been going on with them because they have uh, NDMA in them, which can cause cancer. So that's been going on for months as well. Uh, That's uh, the heartburn medicine, uh, you know, and things like that. All right. So that looks like that will do it for our recall portion of the show. And again, if you are concerned you have any of those products, you can go to www.recalls.gov. They'll have pictures for you. They'll have descriptions. You can click on a link and it'll tell you what you are supposed to do. And, uh, uh, and also, um, if you want to, I've been posting them on my Facebook page as well at Consumer Review Report. You can go there. There are some pictures. The FDA, uh, do not have pictures, but if you're concerned you have that product, you can just click on the link and it'll just take you right there and tell you all the information that you could possibly want to know about your possible recalled product. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the general consumer news. There was an interesting article in the Wall Street Journal this week um, about email scammers are savvier and more successful than ever. This was written by Corrine Ramey. And, uh, they, you know, email scammers have been around for years, but they have always tried different approaches. Well, now there's a new approach, and it's actually targeting businesses now. So let's go ahead and get into this article. Email scams, often riddled with typos and written by non-native English speakers in Africa, were once crude attempts to steal money from inexperienced computer users. No more. Federal investigators say these scams have become sophisticated frauds that are costing American businesses and individuals billions of dollars a year. Estimated losses have soared in the past five years from scams known as business email compromises in which swindlers con victims into directing money into accounts controlled by criminals. Business email scams first appeared on the Bureau's radar about a decade ago, officials said. Back then, the scams tended to be relatively simple, designed to imitate an email from a chief executive asking an employee to transfer money. Over the years, the scams shifted. Perpetrators targeted personal email addresses in 2014, pretending to be lawyers in 2015, then moved on to requests for tax information and targeting real estate transactions, officials said. One new iteration, federal officials said, involves fake requests to divert payroll funds. In this scam, someone in a business payroll or human resources department receives an email purporting to be from an employee. The email asks to update direct deposit information for that pay period, which then goes into an account controlled by a swindler. The scams also have shifted from using spoofed emails, often sent from an address similar to one within the company to the actual hacking of accounts. Once an email account is hacked, the scammers have access to contacts, calendars, and detailed email correspondence of company accounts. Many companies that fall victim to such scams never report them, often because they are embarrassed, officials said, but some cases do result in federal charges. (coughs) In one case, in New York, an indictment was unsealed in May of last year, charging four men for their roles in business email compromise schemes that targeted victims, including a non-governmental organization in New York City. Prosecutors said the scheme defrauded victims of millions of dollars over about two years. As part of the scheme, the men obtained fraudulent documents with fake names, registered shell companies, and opened bank accounts with these shell companies and fake identities, the indictments say. Now, one of the men, pretending to be an employee, tricked the organization into sending a payment to what he said was a valid vendor of the organization, which had done work related to South Sudan, court documents show. Three of the men have pleaded not guilty to the charges. The fourth man remains at large. The case was part of an enforcement effort announced by the Justice Department last September, when officials said that over a four-month period, federal law enforcement arrests 281 people allegedly involved in business email compromise schemes, including 167 in Nigeria and 74 in the U.S. All right, so you always have to be on your toes because once they figure out how to thwart uh, a particular scheme, they come up with like five more and so our our company's really been into the cyber security and everything and they always throw out these tests for us seeing if we're gonna actually click on a link or not and then if we do, we have to take a test and yeah, so they're really ramping that up since now that seems to be the way these uh, email scammers are going. They're targeting businesses now and the employees in the businesses. All right, so that does it for the uh email scammer article let's move on to the cdc e-Valley update you know the e-cigarette e evali update where people were getting sick uh, in their lungs when they were vaping and they had to go to the hospital and some actually died so there's an updated february 25th to uh, 2020 um I don't know, it's, I guess it's, you can call it an article, but it's on their web po- uh, page. It's www.cdc.gov. Um, the overview about the update. CDC, FDA, and state health authorities have made progress in identifying the cause of EVALI. Emergency department visits related to e-cigarette or vaping products continue to decline after sharply increasing in August 2019 and peaking in September. National and state data from patient reports and product sample testing show THC containing e-cigarette or vaping products, particularly from informal sources like friends, family, or in-person or online dealers are linked to most EVALI cases and play a major role in the outbreak. Vitamin E acetate is strongly linked to the EVALI outbreak. Vitamin E acetate is a safe dietary supplement and ingredient in topical lotions and creams, but when it's inhaled, it may interfere with proper lung function. Vitamin E acetate is sticky, like honey, and clings to lung tissue, the CDC said. Makers of illicit vaping fluids sometimes add it as a thickener or to dilute the THC, the high inducing ingredient in marijuana and increase their profits. But just because something is safe to swallow or rub on the skin does not mean it is safe to inhale. The digestive system has enzymes to break down what we ingest and the lungs do not. Vitamin E acetate has been found in product samples tested by FDA and state laboratories and in patient lung fluid samples tested by CDC from geographically diverse states. Vitamin E acetate has not been found in the lung fluid of people that do not have EVALI. Evidence is not sufficient to rule out the contribution of other chemicals of concern, including chemicals in either THC or non-THC products, in some of the reported EVALI cases. CDC will continue to update guidance related to EVALI as appropriate. And so what they know about the outbreak... As of February 18th, 2020, a total of 2,807 hospitalized EVALI cases or deaths have been reported to CDC from all 50 states, the District of Columbia, and two U.S. territories, Uh, that's Puerto Rico and U.S. Virgin Islands. 68 deaths have been confirmed in 29 states and the District of Columbia. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because when this all started then people started to realize that a lot of minors have been using vaping products. And maybe they're not as safe as they should be, uh, you know, for minors. Uh, so when this all came out, and uh, I think there was maybe some minors on the list of who had Evoli and had to go to the hospital, uh, they started looking more closely at you know, should minors be vaping and should we prevent them from vaping, such as we did with the cigarettes, right? Maybe they're not a healthier alternative to cigarettes. So Juul uh, is going to figure out how they're going to keep their vaping products out of the hands of minors. And they've already started this in Canada and the UK. And there was an article in the Wall Street Journal this week. It's entitled, "Jewel Pitches Locked E-Cigarette in Bid to Stay on U.S. Market by, then, this was written by Jennifer Maloney. So Jewel Labs, Inc. plans to present to federal regulators a new version of its vaporizer designed to unlock only for users at least 21 years old according to people familiar with the matter. The controversial e-cigarette maker will propose the next-generation device as part of an application that the company must file to keep its products in the U.S. market. All manufacturers must submit their vaping products for Food and Drug Administration review by May 12th to continue selling them in the U.S. after that date. The companies must demonstrate that their e-cigarette Uh, present a net benefit to public health. In other words, that the benefit of helping adult cigarette smokers switch to a safer alternative outweighs the potential harm of hooking young people on nicotine. Juul has been blamed for a surge in underage vaping and faces a raft of state, uh, state and federal investigations into its marketing practices. In its submissions to the FDA, Juul intends to outline a retooled marketing campaign and a proposal for a U.S. device capable of verifying the user's age. Juul has launched vaporizers in Canada and the U.K. that include an option for the device to be locked or unlocked using a Bluetooth connection to a mobile app. To sign onto the app for the first time... Users must submit a photo of themselves as well as government identification. The app also allows users to monitor their nicotine consumption. The new U.S. law in December raised to 21 the minimum age to purchase cigarettes, e-cigarettes, and other tobacco products. The jewel vaporizer currently available in the U.S. has no lock function or mobile app. The company plans to submit its current U.S. device to the FDA by May and a new device either in May or in a supplemental application later this year, according to a person familiar with the matter. The new vaporizer will come locked and will require verification that the user is at least 21 years old before it can be unlocked, the person said. It won't track nicotine consumption. So I have some audio here it's called The New Jewel C1, The Answer to Youth Vaping. Well, I don't think they say The Answer to Youth Vaping. It means that they're trying to cut down on youth vaping. And this was posted by Dash Vapes, a video on YouTube. And this, and then like I said, these Jewel C1s are out in Canada and the UK. So this guy is actually reviewing how... It, this new jewel uh, works because if it works in Canada and the UK and they convince the US FDA that it will work in the US to keep minors from smoking or vaping, then uh, it'll, these same models will be for sale in the US. So let's go ahead and see what this guy has to say about this new vaping product.
1: Whether you're a fan of Juul or not, there's no denying the impact they made on the industry. This multi-billion dollar company has been the poster child for this quote-unquote youth vaping epidemic. Well, it looks like they're trying to change all that with a brand new device, the Juul C1. And welcome back to yet another Dash Vapes video, it's so nice to see all of your lovely faces out there. Now we've done multiple videos regarding Juul and where they kind of stand in the industry, but it looks like they're the talk of the town yet again. Juul has always had the same overall design since the beginning with very minor tweaks. However, they are now here with their first new iteration of the Juul, the Juul C1. Now we actually had to pick up the device at the Juul retail location in Toronto. didn't think I would ever actually buy anything from there but that is for another video. So I bought the new Jewel C1 along with a pack of uh, the fruit pods. Looking at the uh, device here it's not that far off from a regular Jewel. It's a bit taller and a little heavier. Oh and they offered to engrave the device as well so I went with DV for dash vapes. Instead of the LED light in the center of the device they opted for an LED light bar at the bottom to display the status of your device and that's pretty much it in terms of design changes it still has the same stupid proprietary charger so Joule's essentially releasing this device as an answer to all the allegations for the youth vaping epidemic so in order to properly use this device you must complete the age verification process through the Juul app and the device will actually pair it to your phone giving you extra features now the only problem with that is um, the app is currently only available for Android. I imagine it's because getting an app approved in the iOS App Store is much harder than it is on the Google Play Store with Android. Also, the device was still usable right out of the box, even though there's a piece of paper that states that this device isn't usable without registering. But the issue here is that down the line, if they ever do decide to lock every single device and if an iOS app never gets approved, then you're pretty much SOL. So until the iOS app gets approved, I'm just going to go ahead and assume all of the Jewel C1s are unlocked out of the box. In order to fully utilize all the features that the Jewel app has to offer, you have to create a Jewel account. This involves taking a photo of the front and back of your ID along with a selfie of your face. This then goes through a third party authentication process and ultimately gets approved or denied. The process itself is quite tedious, but I guess these are the steps Jewel's decided to take in order to combat. Youth vaping. I can also imagine some people not being super comfortable with sending Jewel all that data. The Jewel representative in the store assured me that none of it is actually being sent to Jewel. They're mainly taking in the usage tracker data. But I was still, uh, I was still a little hesitant. Once your account is created, you must pair the device to your phone through the app. The process of pairing is quite simple. You just shake the device, and the app will automatically recognize it. Once your device is paired, you're all set. You have access to features that lock your device so nobody else can use it, and if you're jewel is not in range of your smartphone the device will auto lock you also get a usage tracker to track and see how much you're actually vaping on a daily basis along with a location tracker now the device doesn't have like a GPS tracker or anything like that it pretty much just tracks the last known location when it was attached to your phone but I think the weirdest feature is this little speaker icon here once you press it your device will emit a sound to help you find it Now, I will admit that is a pretty handy feature. Now, if only Stevie Emerson had one of these.
0: Dude, where's my jewel?
1: Your Jewel's info is stored on a user basis, pretty much meaning that everything can be tracked down to the manufacturing process. This means that if a miner gets a hold of the device, they can track it down to the store that sold it to them and even when it was manufactured. One thing they're also looking into is geofencing for the device itself since it can track your location. So, say if you're within proximity of a school or a hospital or something like that, you're not going to be able to use the device. In terms of actual usability, it works the exact same as the previous Jewel. The hits are the same. The process for checking the battery is the same, it's pretty much a new Jewel with advanced features. Now, here are a few things that definitely stuck out to me. I'm not too keen on this whole setup process, as it does seem quite tedious to get your device up and running. If the iOS app gets approved and it's mandatory to download the app to use it, I feel like that would deter a lot of people, especially those that are not as tech-savvy as others. Also, the whole process of sending all that sensitive data to Joule may put some people off. But it looks like these are the steps Joule wants to take in order to prevent you, vaping. However, one thing that kind of irked me about this device is that I almost forgot how expensive Juuls were. I paid a total of $75 for this device and a four pack of pods. After using a plethora of other devices on the market, I can honestly say that Juul ranks closer to the bottom in terms of performance. I mean, I guess what you're paying for is the ease of use, but if the end goal is you having to jump through hoops in order to get the thing up and running, then what's the point of spending almost double the price of any other setup? I mean, the price, of pods alone is pretty ridiculous. A pack of four pods run for about $21 Canadian. Each pod holds 0.7 milliliters of e-liquid, which means that a full pack holds about 2.8 milliliters. $21 for 2.8 milliliters is absurd, especially considering that you can get a 60ml bottle of e-liquid for about $20 Canadian, and if you wanted 50 milligram nicotine salts, it would come up to $34.99 Canadian. I can appreciate Juul helping smokers quit smoking, but when you're charging that kind of price for a subpar device, and I mean a subpar device, then it just kind of seems like an outright robbery. In comparison, you can get a full setup on our website for $70, but you get A, a way nicer and more flavorful vape, and B, a ton of more e-liquid. Now, I'm actually very curious to see how the success of the Joule C1 will be over time. It's so new that it's kind of hard to tell how the device will fare with new users, being that there's no iOS app as of this video, and also if this will actually help deter you Vaping. I mean, I was able to use mine right out of the box without having to set it up, and if things stay that way, then what's stopping people from using this as just a normal jewel? Many people believe that this is just a big front to look good in the eyes of the media, but again, I can definitely see some people being hesitant with sharing all of the sensitive information, even though Jewel states that they aren't storing anything. With that said, what are your thoughts on the new technology Jewel's trying to implement here? Do you think that this is a legitimate step forward for age verification, and do you think it'll actually work? Let me know by leaving a comment in the comments session
0: dump. All right, so there you go. That's the description of the new jewel. Now, I don't know what their cigarette prices are in uh, Canada. I know they're very high here. Um, In fact, I saw, uh, I was in an establishment. They have one of those old-fashioned cigarette machines, you know, with the knobs that you pull, and they had on a sign that said $10 a pack, so... I mean, he was complaining about the price of the jewel, but if it's less than when you were on cigarettes and smoking, it might be worth your while to have the jewel anyways. But it doesn't make sense that it comes out of the box unlocked, you know, because the whole the whole uh, idea is to have you go into the app and verify your age and then you can use the device. But if it comes out of the box like that, well then what's the point? So, that's very interesting. All right, so let's go ahead and get to our consumer review of our As Seen on TV item. So let's go ahead and play that commercial for that item.
2: Ripped pants, moth holes, torn kids clothing. What can you do? Don't fuss with messy glues, heavy sewing machines, or old-fashioned needle and thread. Stitch the sewing and make the switch to no stitch. No stitch is the easiest way to hem, mend, and fix your clothes ever. Just sprinkle the specially formulated adhesive powder on the fabric, apply the heat wand, and it's secure in seconds. No stitch is like sewing without the sewing. Need to hem a pair of pants? No problem. Fix a torn shirt? No problem. Important job interview and you need to get out the door? With no stitch, it's no problem. You can fix any clothing quickly and easily. No Stitch is unlike any other repair kit. Make a mistake? Just place the heat wand on the fabric. And like magic, the hem comes undone so you can make it perfect. With glue adhesives, you need to wait forever. But No Stitch turns that same tear into an easy repair. And No Stitch is so strong it will never dissolve or come loose wash after wash after wash. No Stitch works on any fabric from heavy denim to delicate silk. But No-Stitch does so much more. Rip curtains? Say it ain't so. With No-Stitch, they're as good as new in an instant. Burned tablecloth? No-Stitch fixes it quickly and easily. No-Stitch comes with the No-Stitch heat wand and a 6-ounce bottle of adhesive powder. Enough to repair hundreds of garments. For only $19.99. We'll even ship it to you for free. But wait, order now and you can double your order. Just pay a separate fee. Stitch the sewing and make the switch to no-stitch. The easiest way to hem, mend, and fix your clothes ever. Order yours now for only $19.99. Call 1-800-601-8705. That's-
0: okay, so you get the general idea of the item we're talking about, the no-stitch magic powder. Now, on the uh, let's see TV Stuff Reviews website, they got three stars out of five in 1086 votes so it's about average it's nothing special but it's not totally defective either right so here's what they had to say the tv stuff reviews on their website um, no stitch magic powder is an adhesive powder that that's been designed to help you mend clothing or other items made out of fabric without actually sewing them It's meant to be used as an alternative to adhesive glues, too. Each bottle of this powder contains six ounces of the substance, which is purported to be enough for hundreds of fixes. For the purpose of helping you mend holes and create hems, a heat wand is also included with each bottle of powder. See, that's another thing. Uh, There's a lot of hemming to do around this household, I can't, I I can't hem, so we have to ask somebody else to to help us hem stuff. <laughs> but it, this might actually work, you know. So uh, they have how to use step by step. First, apply powder to use this adhesive formula. You'll need to shake a bit of the powder onto the piece of fabric that you want to mend. You must shake it very close to where the hole or tear is that needs to be fixed or the place where you want to create a hem. Try to shake it evenly over your chosen area of treatment without leaving any areas bare or allowing clumps of powder to form in certain places. Use the heat wand. Next, fold over the specific piece of fabric that you want to attach to the area you covered in adhesive powder. This folded over piece could be part of the same garment or part of another one entirely. Regardless, when the second piece of fabric has been folded over the first, you'll need to push the base of the wand against the second piece and gently glide it over the entire thing. Keep in mind that your heat wand must be powered on and plugged in before you'll be able to use it like this. <laughs> Surprised that they have to remind you that you should probably turn it on. Otherwise, it probably won't be hot, yeah? All right, so let garment Cool and use. After, you've done, you, after you're done using your heat wand, you'll need to let the garment you altered or repaired or the two garments you fused together, if applicable, cool for a few minutes. Following that, your garments will be ready for normal use. Do not allow your heat wand to touch any garment a second time unless you've made a mistake. In a case like that, running the heat wand over the same area of fabric again will erase what you've done and allow you to start again. So, here's some features. It's a compact system. The two parts of each no-stitch system, including the bottle of powder and the heat wand, are very compact. They're small enough that you'll be able to fit them into nearly any handbag or backpack while still leaving room for the rest of your essential items. That means you'll be able to carry these two things with you and make last-minute repairs with them as long as you have access to a source of electricity for your wand. And it works on various uh, fabrics. Uh, Fixes won't dissolve. Makes little to no mess. Some positive points. It's safer than sewing. And there's no need for thread. The negative points, uh, electricity required, as they told you uh, as you were doing a step-by-step use. Now, the critical advice they offer is, if you find it awkward to work with a heating wand, make sure your hand is in the right position. You should always hold it with your dominant hand, if possible, and curl your fingers around the black grip instead of the top. Holding the black grip instead of the top of the wand will offer you more precision and control. So, here's a review from TV Stuff Reviews. Um, Tina from Salem, Massachusetts. Her review was entitled, Dangerous Knockoff of Better Ways to Mend Things. Calling malarkey on both the product and this review. As many noted, stitch witchery and similarly used with iron have been available for decades and it doesn't spill, it's far easier to put where you want it and last through washing. As for stating that an awkward to handle unguarded heat source strong enough to melt a substance likely containing plastics for bonding being safer for children than a sewing machine or sewing needle I respond that you do not have enough common sense judgment to vet anything for safety. This heat wand is a mini iron, and while I doubt it's actually very hot at all compared to full size, it still will burn like one, and is very dangerous. Add to that no way to rest it safely while it is on, endangering your surfaces, and I'll pass on this ill-conceived make-a-quick-buck knockoff on an iron and bonding strip, even if they weren't having manufacturing issues in even making a and delivering the product. And so when I was going through these other reviews on this same website, it's seen at about uh, about the last half of last year, eight different people wrote reviews saying they ordered the product, and I'm guessing directly from the No Stitch Company website, um, but anyways, they they said that they didn't receive their product or it took a long time to get. Also, they said they had trouble contacting the company to inquire about their order. So let's go ahead and go to TV Stuff Reviews. Um, uh, there was a video on YouTube that they posted. And that was their review about how they liked the No Stitch product. So let's take a listen to that.
3: My name is Claudia. I'm here with TV Stuff Reviews and today I'm going to be reviewing the no stitch So no stitch is a handheld heat iron that's an alternative to sewing you're able to hem mend and fix without a needle and thread, or any glue. It comes with a specially formulated adhesive powder that activates and securely bonds fabric together with the heat iron. It works on any fabric from heavy denim to delicate silk, including denim, cotton, linen, rayon, nylon, corduroy, wool, polyester, acrylic, and silk. So this seems pretty self-explanatory, so let's go ahead and open it up. So this is the actual no stitch tool. It has like that flat Part right there that presses onto the fabric. It does need to be plugged in which the Infomercial is a little misleading because you never see a cord you never see them like turn anything on So they make you think that like it doesn't need any power, but it does um, but I do like how it's pretty sleek and um easy to store, Um, that's definitely a big plus. And then we got two bottles of the adhesive powder. This is 100 grams each. We also got um, a plastic bag with this like metal tool. It looks like it can be popped out, I believe. I'm not quite sure. And then some sort of paper, possibly to protect your fabrics from the heat, but I, again, am not quite sure. And then of course, an instruction manual. These are our instructions. So this piece pops up and it becomes like a little stand, I believe, yeah, there we go. So that the heat doesn't burn or ruin what you're stitching, I guess. So, as expected, this is pretty self-explanatory. We plug this in, wait for it to heat up, we prop it up on its little stand, and then we sprinkle some of the adhesive directly onto the fabric, and then once this is hot, after about three minutes, you press down and you wanna hold, it says you wanna hold the part you want to stitch for about 10 seconds before moving on to the next one. And the wax paper is to actually prevent anything from getting on this part. So it's actually protecting the unit, not your fabric. So we're gonna go ahead and set this up and then we will try it out. Okay, so I'm all set up here with my fabric, my nose stitch, and my glue. So according to the instructions, we Squeeze the glue, it's more like a powder, on the place where we want to hem, like so. Then we go ahead and fold it over. And we press and hold for about 10 seconds. And there's our hem. Although... So that doesn't really stick as well as I want it to it's also quite messy I mean the the powder is getting like everywhere because it's powder like imagine like squeezing salt out of a bottle like it would it gets everywhere and it's kind of gross and the infomercial was like no more mess with glue but like in my opinion this is just as bad so let's try doing a little bit more just made um these are my husband's pants they were already hemmed and I just did like a teeny bit just to test this product out um but like as you can see it's just like it's not super adhesive and like I'm able to so easily just rip that off and that's just not great and this like powder stuff has kind of like ruined the pants so I'm like I feel like I have to wash them now like that is just I, I'm sorry to me that's just too easy to like pull apart like I'm barely doing any work I'm just like yep that's just not sticking and I mean you guys saw like how long I ironed it for I mean that's a little stickier because maybe that glue just stuck a little bit there but it just seems like kinda inconsistent um and you know like when it's a a pant hem you want it to like stick nicely Um, but yeah, this was just, this is, in my opinion, a little too easy to undo. Like, I don't know. I mean, some parts are a little harder than others, but overall, it's basically just coming off. Um, yeah, so I basically just undid the entire hem faster than I was able to actually do it. So, not a big fan of that. I'm gonna wash these pants I think and see if this glue like damages the fabric cuz right now that looks pretty gross I mean I know it's on the inside of the pant but it's still like I don't know I just didn't I hope they didn't get ruined because these are nice pants so I'm gonna wash these and then I will show you guys what it looks like afterwards to see if. It was ruined Um, I'm gonna redo I'm actually gonna redo part of the hem and then wash it to see if it actually stays in the washer okay so I just took my pants out of the dryer this is the part that I re hemmed to see if it would like stay hemmed and it does Again, it's just, I feel like it's just not super consistent. I feel like if you trip, like, this hem is just done for, and it's just gonna, like, easily, like, rip. Like, that was, I did that so easily. And I'm only, like, pulling this hard, because according to the infomercial, like, they're tugging, like, this. And if I do that, like, I mean, that's that's open. So... Um, yeah, so I'm just not a huge fan of that. And then the residue that is, like, left behind on the pants is kind of gross. So not a huge fan of that either. So, unfortunately, I am not too impressed with the no stitch. Um, as I've been saying, it just, when you claim... When your infomercial shows that you can like tug at that fabric like super hard, um, I should be able to do that and like it not come apart. So it doesn't really, it's not really as strong as it claims to be. And when you're stitching things, you want it to last and you want it to be strong because if it's not, then you're just gonna have to do it over and over again. I also found the product quite messy the bottle when you squeeze out the powder it I mean it it goes like where you want it to go but it takes a couple pumps which is weird because it's just like powder but it does kinda like spray some excess stuff so my the area that I was working in had like residue and it was felt just really weird um so I mean if you're gonna claim that you're a lot less messy than glue I don't know like it just wasn't for me like I said if you're gonna take the time to mend your clothes as opposed to just buying new which I think is great I also I always try to mend my clothes before buying new because it's better for the environment and it's better like to be like less wasteful but if I'm going to take the time out of my day to mend something I want it to last i don't want to have to constantly be fixing it because i feel like with the no stitch i would do a part with the hem it would stick all right but then another part would start to like undo a little bit and i did hold it down for 10 seconds on each area so i don't know like i've been saying it just seems a little inconsistent for me unfortunately i'm gonna have to give this product A one out of five stars and I even think that's being generous Um, I just am NOT a big fan I don't think it saves me any time I don't think it's any less messy I just think it's an easy way out that's not as effective so that's my opinion Um, I really wanted to like this product because it does seem like a cool idea but unfortunately it did not work out. So that is all I have for you guys today. If you liked this video, be sure to
0: give it... All right. So that's the opinion of her on uh, TV Stuff Review's uh, video. Um, actually, does it really doesitreallywork.org website, their final No Stitch review was we are going to give No Stitch a thumbs up. And this is a great money and time-saving product. So... That's what they had to say about that. And uh, so that ends our show. Here we go. All right. So for another show, here we are. And I hope that it was informative. And uh, this is the Consumer Review Report on WMCK.FM, a service of Tube City Online, Tube City Community Media Inc., heard Sunday at 4 p.m. Tuesday at noon and Thursday at 9 a.m. I'm Diane Rebecca wishing everyone a safe and good week.